0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, currently Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I chat with Ty Montague, co-CEO of Co-Collective, a growth and innovation accelerator in New York City that specializes in inventing and reinventing products, businesses, and brands. Co. has been engaged by YouTube, Google, Microsoft, GE, and Coles, among others. Ty has also worked at many ad agencies in New York, including Shiat Day, Wyden, New York, and BBH. He was also my boss at JWT New York when I was there, and he is a very smart man. We're going to talk about troublemaking, story doing, and are we living in a computer simulation? The A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising age called AdHouse New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy: an ad class is only as relevant as the professional who teaches it. AdHouse classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get ten weeks of classes for just six hundred bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com, and for the latest news, follow AdHouse NYC on Facebook. And now my interview with Ty Montague. Hello, Ty Montague.
1: Hello, Tom Christmas.
0: It's been a long time.
1: certainly has, far too long.
0: We may have worked together in the past.
1: That is true.
0: At ad agencies and non-ad agencies.
1: I recall that.
0: Um, But I, I want to... What? I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I want to go back to your earliest days... And talk about uh, how you you know where did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, my my route into uh, the industry, as it's sometimes referred to, is circuitous and uh, somewhat somewhat surprising. Um, I uh, grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I had a what I would call maybe. Um, an unusual relationship with organized education, so uh, I went to high school all the way up to my junior year of high school in Albuquerque and then moved to, uh, my dad got a job uh, teaching on the East Coast, he was a college professor, so he got a job in in New Jersey and I wound up finishing high school, or almost finishing high school in New Jersey, but uh, decided to drop out in 12th grade because I was bored and and, uh, and moved back to New Mexico. And I was working in New Mexico as a raft guide and a uh, mechanic, worked on Italian cars, had no idea what I wanted to do, uh, did that for a couple of years in New Mexico, and then decided on a whim to move to New York, and uh, worked in, was working in New York as a, as a bartender and, uh, and a waiter. And one night, someone leaned over the bar to me uh, and said, after having, you know, just talking about life, the universe and everything, said, You're, you are you you should try advertising. You'd be good at advertising. And I didn't even know advertising was a thing, but they happened to know someone um, actually at McCann Erickson, the head of uh, personnel at McCann Erickson. So wow. this person made the introduction to the head of personnel at McCann Erickson. The head of personnel asked me for my resume. I didn't have one. So this person made me a resume on a legal pad. Wow. And he sent me down the hallway to talk to someone in a in a department that I'm sure doesn't even exist anymore called print forwarding. So I was stuffing magazine insertion orders in envelopes in McCann Erickson. And
0: there no are idea. people there are people listening right now who don't know what uh, what magazine is, what envelopes are.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's this thing called paper, or at least there was. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sure that's all gone now. But um, yeah, so I'm doing this this menial job, sort of in the in the in the bowels of McCann Erickson. And I got off the elevator on the wrong floor one day, and, and there were all these people sitting in offices, lying, you know, kind of a wall, you know, lounging on couches, throwing pencils, sticking pencils in the ceiling tiles of their office. And I asked somebody who was walking by, like, "What do these people do? This looks like a good job to have." And, yeah. Uh, this person said to me in, like, hushed tones, oh, this is the creative department. You're not allowed to talk to them. And I had, I had no idea that that was even a job, like, making ads. But um, I ran into somebody in my department who was seeing uh, uh, going to school, taking a class from a person who taught out of their house, uh, one-on-one tutoring in copywriting. And I signed up and took the course and spent a year pumping my junior portfolio around uh, New York, and finally got my first job at Grey Advertising back in
0: the day. Wow! Yeah. So you, what, uh, who, who was the person that that helped you, that gave you that information about advertising? Do you was that person in advertising? You mean the person who uh, the at the tutor- bar? Oh, at the bar. That person just knew the head
1: of person the, the head of personnel mechanics and not in the business, but. Kind of knew for some reason knew the person who ran uh, HR. So, That's crazy. Uh, no, it, it was crazy. It's the least likely story ever. Um, I, I would say, yeah, don't try don't try to make it happen that way. Would be my first advice. Today. Yeah,
0: I don't know how you would try to make it happen that way anymore. Is there? Is, you started. I mean, basically, it was the mailroom, right? It's like the print forwarding, <laughs> just like the media mailroom. Exactly. What's the modern day equivalent of that? Like what, it, it, can you still do that? Can you still like get a job as like a,
1: well, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I, I think, um, you know, we used to, as, I worked at Shy Day for a, a, a while back in the day and, yep. uh, and we used to hire, um, assistants into the creative department at Shy Day who were, you know, aspiring uh, copywriters and art directors, all of them had a book that they were working on, and we would we would hire them because we thought they had a decent book, but we would not hire them to do creative. We would hire them to answer phones and and schedule flights and stuff, and then, um, you know, they could continue to work on their book and ask advice, and, and uh, it was sort of a stepping stone to, put, you know, a, a junior position as a, as a copywriter or art director in the creative department. So, you know, I don't know whether anybody else still does it that way. I think it's, Harder to get in that way these days. Yeah, um, you know, it seems like that was one of the that was one of the things that was great about the business. And I honestly don't know what it's like trying to get in today. But back back in the day, like it was a very uh, results based business. No
2: one gave a shit where you went to school right. uh, for a creative job. They
1: only cared if you could do good ads or not. And if you could do a good ad, like they would hire you. Um, but, but I think, um, you know, pedigree may, may count. I, I think today more than, more than it did, I think going through a good training program has got to help just in terms of, well, first of all, it will help expand your network. You know, you'll meet yeah. other people, and that's the key is, is knowing people who have the sort of keys to the kingdom and can get your, your work shown around inside a department.
0: And how do you how do you think? So that that kind of like knowing people and meeting people is more important than the sort of almost the skills, even right? I mean, it's it's just it's like Woody Allen said, like eighty percent is is just showing up, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's both, um, but you you got to be able to show good
1: work once you get in the door. Like no one's going to hire you if you don't have good ideas. But yeah. I think you know, I don't know, speaking for myself, I'm much more interested in, in taking a, making a bet on a, on a really talented, um, junior person who's just super passionate and motivated. Like I will bet on passion, Mm -hmm. uh, over, you know, sort of, um, genius anytime. Like I, I, I feel like, I, you know, uh, i worked with lots of people who are way more talented uh, than I am. Uh, my my secret sauce was just I was willing to work harder, I think, um, than, than some folks. Like, I, I have no yeah. particular gift other than maybe pain threshold, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I I really, you know, I look for people who've got, like, fucking fire in their belly and yeah. want to want to make an impact, want to change the world. Um, And I will bet on that over, um, you know, a a fantastic or or polished presentation any any day.
0: Yeah, and I think your particular skill, and I think you do have an amazing skill for getting great people together, Uh, And knowing who you always like when we worked together at JWT, I used to call it the Death Star because like it was so big and it had all these moving parts. And there were these rooms where people were were, uh, you know, drawing or rooms where they were just doing uh, animation. And you would just be like, oh, you know who you got to talk to this guy down on five and he's going to do, you know, and you you just knew everybody's um, talent and how to harness it and when it was necessary. Uh, which I think is a really a really unique skill to have.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a bit of a shocker for me getting to JWT at first because I'd I'd always been honestly I'd always been afraid of big agencies. Mm-hmm. I spent my whole career
2: at smaller uh, smaller agencies, um, you know, just because I was always afraid that. Uh, you know,
1: of getting sort of lost inside a big machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a while to get the right group of people into JWT. But once we did, you know, we had guys like you there, and and just a whole pile of like really talented people. It really started to hum. And that's when it got. That's when it got really exciting. Like I, I, I always say to people, like one of the best decisions I ever made was to was to join JWT. Even though it terrified me because. Um, you know, once once you got that thing like pointed in the right direction, the momentum carried it a long way. We had I learned more at JWT than I learned in any previous job. It was a lot of fun.
0: What uh, do you like? What did you learn? What what were your who were your mentors uh, coming through it? Like, so you're you get to you get to Gray. You finally get that job. Yeah. What, was there somebody that you hooked on to and you were? How did you pick the person to sort of bother and and
2: yeah, well, so it's a funny
1: thing. that the, the next thing that happened was another unexpected thing, which which was after a year of humping my portfolio around, I got a job at Gray, and Gray at the time was not well regarded. I mean, tor- the Gray of today is a mm-hmm. totally different animal than the Gray of yesteryear tour. Uh, Miran did a fantastic job of renovating that, that place, yeah. something that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. But before tour, pre-tour, Gray was, uh, you know, not a, a great place. And so I took the job knowing that, and I decided it would be better to be have a job and be working on my portfolio than not having a job and working on my portfolio, which I would recommend to any Right. Student, like, don't be picky about where you work first. Just get a job. I tell <laughs> people
0: that, too. I, I My first job was at Ogilvy Direct, and I remember, yeah. you know, my friends were all working at Goldsmith Jeffrey and yeah. Deutsch and all the yeah. cool places. And I was like, I don't want to work in direct. Um, yeah. But it was the only job I, I got, and it was the only offer I got, so I took it. Um, and, yeah, it was two years of learning to write, basically, um, five-page letters to American Express. But I do tell people, like, take any job because as long as you're in the business, it's such a small business that you get to know everybody, um, and I think that's great advice.
1: No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, by the way, it, you, you the, the second you take your first paying gig, you, you make the transition from being an amateur to being a professional, and – and uh, that matters, you know. Being paid to do the thing that you're trying to do is is a big step. And um, looking down your nose at the kind, of, you know, at the place that decides to hire you is the wrong attitude to take. You should jump in there, do everything you can to make that job work. But also be meeting people, you know, in the in the business networking, continuing to work on your portfolio. Like all of that is is super important. Um, you know, and and make as much stuff as you can, no matter where you are. Like that's the other thing is is focus on the making of of things.
0: Like what? What? what how, how do you focus on the making of things?
1: Well, these days you can. You, you know, I mean, it's uh, that, that. Well, that's that's a deep. That's a deep topic, but um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, there. I guess I learned. Um, I I learned sort of this over time. I probably learned this late. Was that, you know, the the making of a really good thing takes just an incredibly wide variety of of skills. Like having a good idea is just the beginning. Yeah. Right. Finding the then picking the right team of people to actually then help you make that idea real, whether it's a film idea or a digital idea. Is another part of it. Learning how to work with those people, learning how to speak their language, learning how to get the best out of them. And and y- you have to do that even when you're not, not this, I'm not talking about being a creative director, I'm just talking about being a creative person. Yeah. Any creative enterprise is a collaborative enterprise. And so when you're a junior copywriter, your first thing is to collaborate with a, an art director or a designer. Um, and then if you get an idea sold by a client you've got to then figure out how to make that thing put that thing into the world and that requires collaborating with a wide group of specialist experts um, and you need to learn their language understand how the business works how people get paid there's just a whole universe of information that you need to know in order to put a good idea or a great idea into the world and so that may take some time right your first, yeah. first thing make may not be good. And you shouldn't
2: be precious about that. You should, you know, just make shit, practice,
1: practice making, and you will get better at it. Um, and don't be too hard on yourself in in the early, in the early going. I mean, maybe you'll, maybe you'll get lucky and hit a home run, but just make stuff, exercise those muscles. They will get stronger. You will get better.
0: Getting it. What's the phrase get done is better than Something. I don't remember. Then, but getting okay. getting something done is better than than uh, than just having a great idea that you can't get done. Fuck yes. yes. A good idea done is better than a, a great idea.
1: Another done. way to put it is any asshole can have a good idea. Like yeah. Actually making that idea real and putting it into the world is where all of the real skill and craft lies. And it takes time. To right. learn all the stuff that it takes to really do that.
0: And it takes those skills that you don't think of as being quote-unquote creative skills like working with others and respecting people's time and being a being a fun person who people like to hang out with and so many people when you say any asshole can come up with an idea so many I watched so many assholes over the years you know who who were so much smarter than me and so much better than me burn out because nobody wanted to play with them anymore.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Like being being good to be around is is a huge advantage in the business. Um, yeah, I was going to say something, and now I can't remember what it was.
0: That's because I'm a terrible interviewer.
1: <laughs> Not so, sir. Not so.
0: You've said that uh, the best creatives are troublemakers. Um, so, you know, sort of interesting to go off of, you know, don't be an asshole. But what does it mean to be a troublemaker? Um <laughs> And how do you how do you sort of hone that skill? And is it something that because you look for people that are kind of troublemakers? But you know,
1: I, I do. Yeah, I mean, I like people who like to break things. I, I, they don't have to be assholes. I think you can be a troublemaker without being an asshole. I mm-hmm. think you know, having having a desire to like really ask. The question: Why a lot? Why is it like this? Why do we do it this way? Is there a better way to do this? Is there a way to do this that has never been done before? Um, that's the kind of troublemaking that I'm talking about. Like just not accepting things the way the way they are because that's in quotes the way they've always been done. Yep. I look for people who really want to. Question everything, and and are you know not afraid to challenge the system, whether it's the system internally in you know in the creative entity that they're working in, or the system uh, that the client operates in, or the media you know system that 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 you know communications happens in. Like I I think you know figuring out ways to hack or break or you know, subvert um, systems
2: is a great way for you learn a lot doing it, whether you succeed or fail, you learn sort of where yeah. the, where the
1: real barriers are and where the where the fake barriers are, where the you know, pe- sometimes people do things a certain way just because that's the way they've always done it. It's habit. Yeah. And sometimes it's done that way because, you know, that's, it works best that way. Like it's actually better to do it that way. And Figuring that out on your own, I think, is a good attribute to have as a, as a creative
0: person. And it, it, I, I think it really came to light for me when we were working on, um, we were working on Microsoft together at JWT and you were like, we got to hire a, what was it, a, an editor. We got to hire like a magazine editor to, uh, to, to get knowledge. all these stories together because we were doing like story, uh, we were almost doing content before people called it content. Yeah. Um, and that was the moment where the light bulb went off for me. Is like, oh, we're going to hire a magazine editor. That's cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and I forget who we hired. I know that he came in and it was it changed everything. You know. So that that was uh, that was that moment where I was like, oh, we're not just doing banner ads. These are going to be like little articles.
1: Kyle, we hired Kyle. I can't remember. Yes. How Kyle Monson from PC Magazine, I think.
0: Exactly. Uh, yeah, he's doing his own thing now. I think. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, very smart guy. And Yeah, you know, I was obsessed around that time with getting the energy from
0: journalism into the creative department of Mm -hmm. of JDBT
1: just because, you know, as, and now this is, you know, this is commonplace now. Yeah, it's
0: what we're doing right here, right?
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. But, But, like, you know, my observation was ad agencies will get all, you know, whipped up and a client will call at the end of the day and go, we need an ad to appear in the in the newspaper tomorrow and people will come up with an idea and work all night and, and, and get it to the paper and it'll run and everybody high fives. And, and what we forgot was that in the same time it took us to come up with one ad that ran in the paper, the people who made the paper made an entire newspaper overnight. Yeah. So it works at, they work at a completely next level pace and energy yeah, um, and I wanted to infuse some of that into into the creative department. That's yeah, it
0: was that. a, a it really taught me a lot about uh, about that. So you you left JWT and you left me alone, and I was you know sad and uh, but oh, you, sorry, left, you left you <laughs> left that's okay. Um, you you left you you famously said I'm leaving advertising, and you went and did this co collective, and I think a lot of people were like, what's that? Um yeah. What 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 are you doing now, and how is it different than uh, quote advertising?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people still wonder what that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, I guess so. The 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 way co happened was um, you know one of the things that I, I loved the advertising business. You know, it was a super fun business, but. Um, the one thing that always frustrated me was that the, by the time a brief hits your desk in an ad agency, the one thing you know for sure is that somebody somewhere has already decided that advertising is the answer to the problem. And I, like lots of creative people inside ad agencies, this is not unique to me. Like you can often think of, as you got to know the client and get to know their business, you can often think of ideas that are not advertising that would solve the client's problem. But I spent a long time trying to sell things that weren't advertising to mm. clients. And, and it's super hard from within the context of an advertising agency just because they came for advertising. Right. And so I, I finally concluded that to really you know do it properly, uh, I needed to step out and, and create a company that was built from the beginning to work with clients before they have decided what the output is going to be, to work with them to really define their business strategy, um, and their business story, like what we call a quest. What is the higher purpose that this business serves? Um, what, is the, what is the dragon that this company is out to slay every day? And then ultimately, our, our second belief is that, that that belief, that story, that quest should be expressed first through innovation in the customer experience. So products, services, business models, um, and then, if you want to put a layer of communication on it, uh, ultimately you can, but the, our term of art for it is story doing. You should do your story before you tell your story, and sometimes you, if you do your story well enough, you don't need to tell it, like you can, you can, you can bag your ad budget. And, um, you know, this isn't, I didn't make this up, I observed companies that were already doing it, companies like Starbucks, do very little advertising. Companies like Red Bull do very little advertising. They, you know, they, they do events. They create uh, physical experiences that 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 cause people to want to tell their story and want to actually participate in their story. And um, so our belief was and and is that that's a, just a more efficient way to be. And so we're a we're a, a, a strategy and innovation company. Um, and and I still it's 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 a related business, like we still very much believe in story as Mm -hmm. the the
2: foundation of a really
1: powerful brand. We just have a more diverse set of thinkers and makers here. So we do brand strategy as like a traditional ad agency would, but we Mm -hmm. also do, you know, we have business strategists. And we also have design strategists in the sense of product design and service design strategists here. And then on the making side, we have industrial designers. We have uh, people who can design physical, you know, three-dimensional spaces. And, um, you know, we also have um, uh, digital, uh, digital designers, UX, UI people, and service designers. And so it's, it's, um, you know we're, we're taking the, the story skills that we learned in advertising and just trying to apply them holistically to the entire customer experience
0: and it's called story doing which I love um, yeah. and uh, you have a book called true story now right and that's about story doing yes that that's people right. can read yeah. Um right for that there are few uh, our process has changed a little
1: bit since we wrote the book but it's still it's full of like early examples of the kinds of projects that we that we worked on when we when we got started at Cove
0: Can people be story doers?
1: Yeah, no, I think we all are story doers, mm-hmm. right? Like, you are what you
0: do, not what you say. Mm -hmm. Um, And keeping your actions aligned
1: with your, you know, what what you say about yourself is super important. You know, this is something that will be second nature to anyone in the advertising industry. Walking into a room
2: and declaring that you're the funniest person in the room means that everybody thinks you're an asshole. (laughs) Walking into a room and being the funniest
1: person in the room makes you, you know, makes you a person that everybody loves and wants to be around.
0: That's great. And how can how can kids be story doers? How can someone who maybe is putting his book together or her book together, and and you know, thinking about how to get into advertising, how can they start being story doers and makers? And
1: yeah, well, I I really think it comes down to like making stuff. Like young people today, I, I mean, I've, millennials and and Gen Z, for some reason, get like this bad rap in the in like particularly in the business press. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, I think first of all, if, if you don't like Millennials and Gen Z people, suck on it, because <laughs> it, it's their world, right? We're just trying to do business in it. Like, yeah. Um, and, and so, deal with it. And, and I think that generation, both generations of, of young people have just incredibly positive attributes. Like, they're very entrepreneurial, they're very driven, they want to make an impact on the world. Um, they want to feel the impact of the work that they do uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in culture and in the world. And, and I think those are all great attributes. And I would just say make stuff. Mm-hmm. Make impact in the world. Like figure out what the impact is that you want to make in the world and make it. And the good news is like, you know, one of the, one of the things was like as a, as a creative business, the ad business used to be like you had movies, you had the ad business, and you know I guess you could there were companies like IDEO but they there weren't very many companies like IDEO now like there's just this incredible diaspora of places to get creative outlet you know client companies have internal innovation groups they have internal agencies that are growing in many cases so those are places to go and have an impact you can you know there are more and more innovation companies in the world today, um, you know, IDEO and Red Scout and uh, Sylvan Labs and Method and Smart Design, you know, they're just scads of them these days. Yeah. And the, the ad agency world is, is continuing to innovate and new brands and businesses are being born there every day. And so I think, you know, if you're a young person that the opportunity to get into one of those organizations and make stuff that makes an impact in the world has never been greater. And it's really incumbent upon you as a a student to figure out, like, what is the impact that you want to make? What is the change that you want to see in the world? And then find the companies that are lined up, you know, behind that. Uh, or trying to make that change and go knock on their door, you know, because they'll be looking for people who have fire in their belly and want to want to join whatever quest those businesses are on.
0: Yeah, and don't don't just talk about being part of their quest, but actually do something like blog about, you know, the polar bears dying or, or you know, uh, blog about advertising and, and extreme sports. If you want to go work at Red Bull, you know, show that you're part of – the fan base of some amazing, you know, extreme sport or, you know, you have to show it and do it and make it. Um, And I think that's, that's really smart. And do you think that uh, working at those, you know, inside of brands and and at their sort of internal ad agencies, do you think that's a smart thing for creatives to do today? Or is it better to get a broader experience working at more of an agency model?
1: Well, you know, I don't know. Like I, for a long time, um, I had a sort of jaundiced view of like internal creative uh, departments. Like the creative departments inside client companies often worked on the parts of the business that didn't seem as interesting or as sexy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've since... I've, I've started to revise my thinking there because those... Got, those in, in, in some cases, it depends on the client, right? But a lot of times those entities actually get to work on the things that result in real deep change inside the company like if you're working inside the on the digital team inside a a digital company like you're working on the changes that are being made to not just the the communication but the customer experience like the product itself yeah. um, and you know i i I, you know, I've become a real advocate for um, making, you know, having the product be the first expression of the overall narrative that a, that a company is pursuing. And so if you have the opportunity to work inside a client business on the, and affect the, the customer experience in a meaningful way, not just in a, if, by making communications, but by actually making some aspect of the, of, the, of the, you know, experience the customers are going to have, I would say that's potentially really powerful and really attractive. Um, you know, I think that doesn't mean ad agencies are not good places to work. I think they're great places to work, and that's, that's what you get at ad agencies is variety. You get at-bats, you get to learn about different industries and, and solve different problems. But you tend to because of that you skate across the surface in a in a thinner way. You don't you don't get the opportunity. Usually, not not always, sometimes ad agencies, you know, get involved in the customer experience, but it's pretty rare. You know, mostly what you get involved with at ad agencies is more the, the you know, the, the, the sort of candy coating, the surface of a of a brand or a
0: business. And what, what brands do you think, uh, em, embody this story doing, like, what are some of the, some of the brands you, you mentioned Starbucks and, and Red Bull? What, what are the other ones? Uh,
1: there's, there's lots of them today. Um, Tesla is a company that, that, uh, is a story doer. They don't do very much advertising. They really tend to communicate. Uh, uh, they, 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 they are making their quest real through product innovation. You know, um, you know, I, I gave a, uh, I'll answer that question specifically, but let me just sort of wrap sure. on Tesla for a second, just because I gave a presentation about them earlier today. Like, most people would look at, this is a true, another aspect of story doers, is that a lot of people would look at Tesla and think, well, that's a car company. But Tesla doesn't think of themselves as a car company. Like, when you have a really good, big, powerful quest, um, the quest actually is the answer to what business are you in. And so... Tesla's quest has more to do with uh, – Elon Musk blogged about this on the first uh, blog post that he ever put on the Tesla website, which he called his secret, top secret five-year plan for world
2: domination. And <laughs> in it, um, he talks about Tesla's
1: quest, and Tesla's quest is – not to beat GM or Ford or the internal combustion engine. Tesla's quest is to transform, to upend what he calls the mine and burn economy, the hydrocarbon economy, and replace it with a new economy of of clean, sustainable electric power. Now, the car was the first expression of that, but now you see um, them doing things like Powerwall, you know, a battery pack that you can yep. put inside your house to make your house more energy efficient. You see them doing solar panels that you can yep. put on your roof. So now we're really beginning to see what Tesla's, you know, what his true vision is for Tesla. And it's not it's not a car company. It's a, you know, it's a next generation power company. And so um, other examples, uh, probably the master story doer is Amazon. Um, Bezos has a famous, Quote one that we use here all the time advertising is just a tax you pay for lack of innovation
2: Hmm. They they put money directly into money that
1: most companies would use for marketing communications They put that money directly into innovation and they harvest value from that innovation in the short term by testing and learning in public so Prime Air is an example of a thing that, like that's that you know, drone delivery of packages might be a real business in ten years or so. It's going to be a while though because there are yeah. a lot of barriers for before there are going to be fleets of drones flying <laughs> in the air delivering packages to our front lawn. But they announced it publicly two years ago on the run up to Black Friday, knowing that they would get a bunch of free media during the, the critical holiday shopping period, and so they're using innovation as a way to step on the next, in the short term, step on the necks of their bricks and mortar competitors who are mm-hmm. all paying top dollar for you know, paid media uh, during the holiday run-up. And long-term, they're betting that, that drone delivery packages is gonna get uh, turned into a real business for them. So that's classic story doing, structurally reducing the amount of money that you spend on paid media, putting that money into innovation, extracting value from it in the short term by, by testing and learning in public, And then building businesses uh, out of it long term, you know, over time.
0: That's cool. I want to be like Amazon.
2: Yeah, me too. (laughs)
0: Um, So um, we're coming up on uh, on forty five minutes or something, but a couple more questions, um, if you have time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, your book, true story. Everyone's going to read that. What other books would you recommend? I remember you telling me about the Clue Train Manifesto years ago, um, yeah. and I read that, and it sort of blew my mind. Um, so that's one. But what what are some other things that that uh, the kids should read um, and get all get all smart and stuff? Ah,
1: uh, that's interesting. Uh,
0: that's or maybe it's more like blogs and things.
1: Well, so uh, there there are sort of. Blogs I read for pleasure. My favorite blog right now is a blog called Wait But Why. <laughs> um, and it just goes into why the world is the way the world is. And I wouldn't, I, I would be hard pressed to um, discern like a, 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 an actual theme, but the guy who writes it, I can't remember his name, is brilliant. And it, the, the articles are, the posts are long and intensely well researched and fascinating. Um, you know, he covers uh, things like why is it that we have not yet discovered intelligent life in the universe? There hmm. are billions of planets in the universe that will support life. Why are why are we still alone? Um, at least so far, topics like that. So that's just a fascinating read. Has nothing to do with really with the business. Um, but it's just, it's great brain candy. Yeah. Um, I, a, a book that, I, I don't know how useful it would be to a, a junior person looking for a job, but I think, um, you know, a book I'm reading right now just because I'm really interested in <clears throat> execute ec- the execution of innovation is called Beyond the Idea. It's written by a couple of, of Harvard professors who have worked in the innovation space. And it's really about um, the governance process that you need to put in place to, to make genuine innovation happen inside big enterprises—like it's really hard. Yeah, there's a, there's a paradox built into innovation in a big organization. Big organizations <laughs> are designed to kill innovation. They're because because they're designed to to optimize for efficiency, and so innovation is by nature an inefficient process, so it dies inside big organizations unless you put the right governance uh, structures in place to make sure that innovation can happen. So I've been reading about that. I find it fascinating, but it's kind of nerdy. Um, I think probably the best, the most inspiring person to me in the history of the business and a guy who kind of operated he, he operated in the business before the internet existed but he, he sort of he was the first great internet genius even though there wasn't an internet yet is a guy named Howard Gossage
2: yes and,
1: um, I would if I were a student I would study the work the life and work of Howard Gothage he he is I still think probably the, the most interesting most talented most um,
0: just, I agree I, with you. Most creative
1: people to have ever worked in the
0: business. I he, say enough good the, the book is called The Book of Gossage. Uh, yeah. I have one on my desk. Um, I've been trying to, uh, and, and I know Mark DiMassimo uh, loves him too, and I've been trying to sort of, ma- and we need to do this maybe, is just make a Gossage Society
2: Yeah.
0: Um, in New York City and just like all get together and, you know, Suck on some pink air. If you know Gossage, you know what that joke is about. Um, exactly. And exactly. Uh, <laughs> and and talk about Gossage.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we have a clubhouse, it needs to have a live kangaroo in it, for it sure. It definitely
0: needs a live kangaroo, and we all need to wear uh, Beethoven sweatshirts. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So I think that's a great idea. Well, what we
2: would—I mean, I think what would Howard do is a great question to ask yourself anytime yes. you face a
1: creative assignment. So even just talking, asking that question at Gossage uh, Society get-togethers about various issues that the world faces today would be a great exercise and super fun.
0: All right, that's on the to-do list now. Beautiful. Um. Well, uh, how can uh, people follow you on the, uh, on the social medias? Where should they go to learn more about uh, Co Collective, uh, Ty Montague, and story doing?
1: Yeah, so let's see. I mean, you can go visit our website, which is cocollective.com. Uh, you can follow me at, at T Montague on, on the Twitters. Uh, I can't remember what my Instagram <laughs> handle is. Uh, maybe that's T Montague as well.
0: He's a, he looks like a pirate, kids. <laughs> it's a drawing of him. He looks like a pirate. That's but he doesn't right. look like that in real life. He has both eyes in real life.
1: But he cares about, like, the, and nobody would. Why would you? But that actually was part of the, the eye patch pirate thing is part of a going away gift that I got from uh, the creative department at Widen Kennedy when I left there. They had... You know when when the Wall Street Journal puts it, does an article about you you get this little point to list.
2: Uh,
1: yes. done. They took this that Wall Street Journal point to list portrait and just fucked with it in every imaginable way and the pirate portrait was one of them.
0: So #humblebrag.
1: Hey, hey, you know, like um, it's one of my it's actually one of my most treasured things, not the Wall Street Journal thing. That's cool. I mean, I, yeah. I I was honored to to have that done, but but that the gift of I have that that set of portraits framed uh, just because it was so awesome.
0: That's amazing. I think we did really great.
1: I think so too. I,
0: I think, think Howard Gossage would be happy.
1: I I agree, and I think you 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 are a great host. I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, good. Uh, oh, one more question. Yeah. Are we living in a, uh, in a, in a, what is it, um, simulation? A, a digital simulation? Are we living in a digital simulation?
1: I think we are. I, okay. I think, I, New York Times beat me to this, but like they circulated a, an article that was speculating about this and saying that the evidence, mm-hmm. the recent evidence that we are living in a civil, in a simulation is three things. One thing, the unlikely, um, glitch at the oscars? Yes. The unlikely glitch in the Super Bowl. Yes. And the unlikely glitch in the most recent US presidential election.
0: What? All of What it, happened in the presidential election? What what do you mean?
1: No no no, I can't even say it if you don't know I'm not going to tell you.
0: I need to read the paper.
1: Yeah, you should. Well, actually I would say don't. If you <laughs> if, if if no one has told
2: you, you don't
0: want to know. Just I don't. I want to make a T-shirt. Here's another thing for the to-do list. I, these are long, these to-do lists, but I want to make a T-shirt that says, I'm in the wrong simulation. <laughs> That's great. Because I, I really, I really think. I would
2: really buy think,
1: that T-shirt. I would buy it. Um, yeah. So those are all recent examples of, of a glitch in the matrix that all of us are living in these
0: days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, kids. We're living in a computer simulation, so be a troublemaker and go out and story do. Goddamn right. Thanks, Ty Montague. Take care, Tom Christmas Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. So that was my chat with Ty Montague. He's a great guy. Good to hear his voice. You should go read his book, True Story. Uh, you should check out cocollective.com. And this has been The A-List brought to you by AdHouse Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate us and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhouse.com. The A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post in New York City. Thanks for listening, everybody.